even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. Welcome to Read the Room with Mark Smith, American Politics in the Raw. Well, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, you know, uh, life hands you its amount of curveballs. We've talked a little bit about it off air, but uh, all things considered, you know, I got breath in my lungs. Uh, I got faith in my higher power, and everything is good, brother. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. So I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Read the Room uh, with my good friend Rick Cochran, also known as Uncle Rico. Salute and hallelujah. Uh, we are going to discuss Joe Biden, Bull Connor, and race today. A uh, small and not too uh, highly flammable topic, uh, unless you actually watch that ludicrous Atlanta speech that uh, our current occupant in the White House gave. And um, we're going to talk about that. And I'm looking forward to uh, folks in the audience uh, chiming in, as well as our uh, uh, two co-hosts here uh, talking about it. So um, let's dive right in. Absolutely. So recently, Joe Biden was in Georgia giving a speech on voting rights and some laws he's trying to pass. And me, uh, you know, I, I follow the news pretty well. We know we're in the know on stuff, but for some of the audience, um, I'd like to get a little background on this if I can. So the first thing I would ask you is what is the name of this bill he was talking about in his speech? He's talking about the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which they've now changed to another name, and they're about to change it again. Uh, to try and um, ram it down the throats of uh, members of the House and Senate. And it is not anything um, of a majority of interest that the American public is interested in. They would prefer to talk about inflation, gas prices, jobs, more inflation, and COVID. Uh, All the things that Biden has failed on uh, miserably, uh, and I left out, of course, foreign policy, which in this case, unfortunately, is <laughs> Afghanistan. And now Russia, who's on the cusp of invading Ukraine, mm-hmm. the uh, hermit king in the hermit kingdom there in NOCO lit off another rocket on Tuesday. 
And um, let's see, the Chinese, well, you know, they're going to host the uh, COVID Olympics uh, here in a couple of weeks, which will be very interesting. And now we're getting official pictures of their concentration camps slash COVID camps uh, Mm -hmm. and quarantine facilities they're putting people in, which is just lovely. Yep. Shout out to the state of Washington for that one. Right. Exactly. Yeah, uh, one of the original states who interned Japanese Americans under a previous Democrat administration in World War II in the 11 internment camps that we had in the United States. Mm-hmm. I'll be right back. I'm going to go throw up again because of that disgraceful part of American history. Yeah, I have a and, pail right yeah. here underneath me, so I don't have to go anywhere. I can just throw up, you know, get off air, and then get right back into it. Yeah, mine's behind the computer. I got to get up there and, just, <laughs> you know, curl away, right, and wretch. But uh, the other the other part of this, too, is, uh, you know, he got uh, – Biden got his ass handed to him by the uh, Supreme Court on the employer mandate. The uh, smaller mandate on CMS and healthcare workers is de minimis. And then uh, in the ride uh, home to uh, Casa de Blanco, also known as the White House, he uh, got the news that Senator Sinema on the Senate floor giving an impassioned speech, your senator from your home state there, my friend, uh, was in no way, shape, or form going to be supporting blowing up the filibuster. And neither was Joe Manchin. Got to yeah. love that. Yeah. And we'll, so he's had we'll a bad week a and then, you know, top that off with 33% approval rating uh, from the uh, leftist Quinnipiac poll. Um, and no wonder this, this guy went and got on television this afternoon to talk about something he's already done, which is the transportation bill. Okay. I'm just putting that in perspective for folks. It's it's literally insane. He's he is like pulling out his old high school trophies and right. remembering the days when he was right. a starting quarterback. Like I came in third. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, it's insane. Yeah. It's it's really quite quite amazing. And I'll tell you, you know, the issue of uh, of race. Um, and race relations hits hits home personally for me because I was brought up. I was born in Detroit. I was brought up in Southern California, and then subsequently the Midwest before we went back to Southern California. And I have had nothing but good and even great experiences with uh, our American uh, brethren who are of a different ethnicity than white my entire life. And I've had a a terrific and beautiful understanding of the culture, uh, the the beautiful language in their music and art and poetry and um, uh, and industry that they've created. Uh, I was just on the Hill uh, this week we're uh, working with my good friend Jack Brewer on the fatherhood proposal that he and I crafted together over the last couple of years to address fatherlessness in the black community. And so we met with, you know, Congressman Burgess Owens and uh, Senator Josh Hawley and 
and uh, uh, a number of other folks on both sides of the aisle to talk about and to begin to discuss the importance of this, but also ultimately to get the federal government to provide leadership so that the states can incubate their programs uh, to address this problem because, you know, 73% of the inmate population in a jail or prison uh, can be traced back to that, any one of those individuals not having a two-parent household and being fatherless, right? And yeah. when you are fatherless, you are 20 times more likely to be involved uh, in the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. So we know the metrics, we've got the solutions, there's, a, there's bags full of money in these, uh, in these agencies and the states are attuned to it as well. Um, we don't need any more 11 and 12 year olds on the streets of Chicago or any other street shooting one another uh, going forward. It just simply is not something that we, uh, we need to have uh, continuing to occur. Yeah, and so that's something that we're we're working on right now, and, and quite proud of. <clears throat> Pardon as me. Should be, as you should be, and you know yeah. these are the type of bills uh, that should be highlighted on every media platform there is. Like this is such an important issue, and it's coming together. You know, tackling a two-parent household epidemic. And yes, single parents can parent. But the proof's in the pudding. Like it, I'm sorry if that's offensive to other people, but it statistically shows that two parent households uh, can keep children out of jail. Like, especially out of jail, in some communities. Good education, uh, a career, and a path forward. Absolutely. There's a it's an wonderful infrastructure. young man um, in Oklahoma about a month and a half ago that was heralded in the same day in Oklahoma. He saved a woman in a fire and then helped another person in distress, 16 year old kid, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you know, the county sheriff and, and that whole team uh, heralded him with an award and, and a certificate. And, it, and we have to be able to communicate that and, and build that up. So we're, we're very, uh, very happy about it. And yeah, we, and, we and know also, go ahead. I'm sorry. So look at just an infrastructure in a society, specifically energy. Okay. You have, let's say a water dam or nuclear energy, whatever's powering your city, solar for all my green folk out there. But you wouldn't build this energy system without a backup generator. And two-parent households can provide that, and they can switch back and forth. Like, you need to have more than one fail-safe. You know what I mean? And two-parent right. households really do the work. Good cop, bad cop. You know, you see this with detectives. Like, they go in, and there's a good cop, and there's a bad cop. And it, it gets the information out better. And building so in other words, what you're saying is – and this part of No Filter Network is sponsored by Pacific Gas and Electric. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. Fund your pipelines, folks. Absolutely. No, no, you're 100% right. Those analogies are, 
those analogies are spot on. And at the same time, um, looking at society in general, you know, again, I, you know, I grew up as a teenager in the seventies. Um, nobody believes that, but I did. Um, and I watched, I watched, um, uh, forced integration of schools happen while I was a teenager. It was disgusting. Um, uh, before that, in the latter part of the six, I watched the killing and aftermath of Martin Luther King, RFK. I was five years old when JFK was killed and watched my entire family sit around a television and cry and go, why are they doing that? Right. And so I, I, I watched this arc of the civil rights movement happen. And it certainly had an impression on me, and I had a real quick understanding of who the good guys and the bad guys are. Uh, you know, behind me is uh, In the Heat of the Night, one of my favorite Norman Jewison films, illustrative of that time, uh, that was uh, uh, made in 1967, right? Just uh, three years after the Civil Rights Bill was passed and the uh, 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 Medicare bill was passed in 65 mm -hmm. and Social Security Act, excuse me. And um, at the end of the day, you we've already seen all of this. We don't need the seams ripped apart or torn at with uh, Black Lives Matter and alt left freakazoid groups burning up cities or politicians trying to divide people on race. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna share my uh, screen here uh, to show you um, to show you something. Okay. Oh, these guys, these guys at No Filter are so fancy. I love the fact that you can now share a video instead of the entire screen. I'm gonna, yeah. uh, I'm gonna show you something here real quick, my friend. Excellent. And I want you to tell me if you can figure out the similarities of uh of what's going on and when this happened just take a listen okay so you know what may help here um if you click and copy the link at the top, and then you just go to share a video, it should just pull up the video and put it on the screen instead of share screen. So Got like, it. click, okay. This will be part of the editing. Yep. So click yeah, share I'll screen. That out. Yeah. And uh, post the link into that little box. It should say share video. What was the go. one or two issues that yeah. most disappointed you or surprised you as far as what was the one or two issues that most disappointed you or surprised you as far as President Obama is concerned and caused you to leave his to leave his side? Wolf, I have to tell you, I don't have to go any further than 24 hours ago. Uh, when I heard the Vice President of the United States, someone I grew up admiring, someone I've been on platforms with, when I heard him go to Danville, Virginia, and talk about politics, 
in a way that no serious candidate ought to talk about it. When I heard him reach the bottom of the deck and talk about one party putting people in chains, when I heard someone that I admired and have been on platforms with talk about uh, ordinary conservative principles as being essentially racial uh, viciousness, because that's the allegation he was making yesterday, uh, I was disappointed by it, but I have to tell you it brought back memories to me. It brought back memories of these Democratic politicians in the South who think they can go before black crowds and say one thing, that nobody else will hear it, and that they can somehow get a cheer in the room, and that they can blithely go on about their business. That's not the way you can do politics anymore because of the media, and I think Vice President Biden, I hope Vice President Biden, learned an important lesson. You can't say one thing to a certain kind of people thinking nobody else is hearing you. Well, there were TV cameras there. I assume he, he knew that uh, everyone would be watching an event like this. It wasn't just simply a closed-door event. But uh, what, the, what the campaign, the Obama campaign, says is he was simply referring to what Republicans have said, that they want to, quote, unshackle big business in the United States and get rid of many of the regulations. And he was responding to that. Uh, does that make sense to you? Wolf, I know that's the spin and it's creative. I'll give him credit for creativity. But I happen to have spoken to a few African-American audiences in my time, uh, represent a predominantly African-American district. Uh, I know what Joe Biden was doing yesterday. And every black person in that room knew who the y'all was. They knew what the chains were about. They knew what the metaphor was. And I will give that audience credit. If you listen to a tape of that audience, you actually hear what appear to be boos or what appears to be shock from. So I will just tell you that I have for many, many years felt, known, and witnessed Joe Biden as being a racist. He is a straight up racist, period. Yeah. And it is shocking. It is pathetic. It is disgraceful. It is unnecessary, but for him, because he is a cheap politician only, he has never been anything more than a vote you could count on in the Senate. It is easy. No. It's easy. Okay? It's easy. He's gone unopposed since 1972 uh, when he uh, meandered up from Delaware, down from Delaware to D.C., uh, for his uh, first Senate term, <laughs> and we all know where he ended up, right? And yeah. he is a absolute disgrace to the office. That, that speech in Atlanta two days ago, three days ago, was a disgraceful display that looked more or less, in my view, something like this speech which I'm going to share with you here in just a second. Here, uh, I actually want to play the clips from that, the the cliff notes, if you don't mind, because I have it pulled up right here. And right. for a little bit of context for the audience. Can we check audience, our answers really quickly? Um, this is what I, we were dealing can with. Can we check our answers really quickly? I, well, I before had... you do that, let me... Uh, Hold on to me. Let me uh, Foreign and, yes, domestic. Let me finish what I was going to do, because I want to... I want to <laughs> make sure that people understand where we're coming from in this but the we're going to put you all back in change bullshit that this gentleman on cnn was talking about back in 2009 
is um, is indicative of what Joe Biden is as an individual and a politician, and not you too can different from this politician right here. If you don't keep you and them separate, I f you can never whip these buds if you don't keep you and them separate. I found that out in Birmingham. You've got to keep the white and the black separate. In May of 1963, one individual in Birmingham, Alabama, reinvigorated the wilting civil rights movement. Bull Connor, Birmingham's commissioner of public safety, ordered the use of fire hoses and police dogs to quell demonstrations pushing for desegregation in Birmingham. In an ironic twist, however, by defending segregation so fervently, Bull Connor actually called national attention to the civil rights movement and dramatized its goals. His violent actions brought the immediate end to segregation in Birmingham, solidified his legacy as a symbol of bigotry, and, most importantly, hastened the passage of major civil rights legislation. So, with that, you also end up with a um, reaction like this, which is um, the MSNBC clip. Is that what you were going to play? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Overshooting art. All right. So, Go folks. Ahead, put that up there because that's exactly the art of what I was talking about. Quickly? Go ahead. That's I, I exactly had... what I was going to play. Justice. And everybody that's, that's in the good. audience, listen to choose? these liberal Democrat individuals. So do you want me to start from the beginning or do you, you want me to just get to a speech? Yeah, you can get, well, you, you, you can. I want, I'm more interested in having people hear uh, the analysis than the uh, speech. People can bring okay. that up themselves. Okay. So yeah. this will be from the beginning. Uh, take one and action. You're trying to pull people over to your side. Is it better or worse? to compare them to Jefferson Davis and Bull Connor. I'm uh, sorry, it's worse. ladies and gentlemen, uh, we certainly. seem to be having a technical uh, The question is, what was the objective yesterday? Why did the President of the United States go to Atlanta, Georgia? So it's was not starting? To get people on his side? Okay, so uh, what you're going to need to do is we got to play it at the same time. So when I say action, you see that play again or start play video start playing you'll click I that I sure do okay so when i say action just click it so take one and action if you're trying to pull people over to your side is it better or worse to compare them to jefferson davis and bull connor uh it's worse uh, certainly. Uh, the, qu the question is, what was the objective yesterday? Why did the president of the United States go to Atlanta, Georgia? Was he trying to get people on his side? Speaking of Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, others, or was he trying to send a signal to progressives that, yes, I'm fighting on this issue, even though it, it looks like it's a dead end, given what Joe Manchin said immediately afterward? He said, I'm not for changing the rules. I don't know how many times you want me to say it. Here is what President Biden said yesterday in Atlanta that Joe's referring to. Will we choose democracy over autocracy, light over shadows, justice over injustice? 
I know where I stand. I will not yield. I will not flinch. I will defend the right to vote, our democracy against all enemies, foreign and, yes, domestic. Do you want to be the side on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Part of Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis? Can we, can we check our answers really quickly? I, I had King, Lewis, and Lincoln. Three for three. Did you have those three, three for too? Three. Yeah. Okay. So, so the question was, Willie, why so, did you do that? What was his point? The exact outcome of Bull Connor, who was the second video I played, just in case anybody didn't know that, the black and white one, of the 63 um, suppression in Alabama is exactly what everyone, both Democrat and Republican were reacting to in Biden going overboard. He not only has uh, stirred up hatred and created more division, and in the same Quinnipiac poll, 49% of the country versus 47% of the country, 46% of the country thinks he's more a divider than he is a uniter. And so he just proved it again on Tuesday. He's proved it before with the vax versus unvaxed and some of the other nonsense that comes out of his pie hole. And the bottom line is, is we learned all those lessons. We went through all of that pain. Our friends, our family, folks that we ultimately met during the course of our adult lives, lessons that we've learned. He's never learned that because his primary interest is his own political survival. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you one more, which shows you just exactly what kind of a duplicitous political. So, take a look at this. When I marched in the civil Someone rights movement, click. right now, I did not march with the twelve. When I marched in the civil rights movement. I did not march with a 12-point program. I marched with tens of thousands of others to change attitudes. And we changed attitudes. When I was 17 years old, like many of you, I participated in sit-ins to desegregate the restaurants and movie houses of Wilmington, Delaware. I came out no, of the civil didn't. rights movement. I was one of those guys that sat in and marched and all that stuff. During the 60s, I was, in fact, very concerned about the civil rights movement. I was not an activist. I worked at an all-black swimming pool in the east side of Wilmington, Delaware. I was involved. I was involved in what, what they were thinking, what they were feeling. Mm. I was involved, but I was not out marching. I was not down in Selma. I was not anywhere else. I was a suburbanite kid who got a dose of exposure to what was happening to black Americans when I, in my own city, Hmm. The I feel your pain in 1987. Yeah, deep. You know, when I was a burn. teenager in Delaware, Listen. 
for real, I got involved in the civil rights movement. We have the eighth largest black population in America. Most people don't know that. And uh, I'd go to 8 o'clock mass, then I'd go to Reverend Herring's church where we'd meet. This is 2020. In order to organize. January, two years ago. Where we were going to go. Do you think he knows his target audience? Look at that background. My God. I got my education for real in the black church. And that's not hyperbole. It's a fact. But I got my education, Reverend Doc, in the black church. Not a joke. Because when we used to get organized on Sundays to go out and desegregate movie theaters and things like that, we'd do it through the black church. I was no big shakes, Reverend, in the civil rights movement. I was just a kid. I got involved in desegregated movie theaters and helping. You may remember Reverend Moyer in Delaware and Herman Holloway organized voter registration drives, coming out of black churches on Sunday, figuring how we were going to move. In October, uh, I was invited wow. to uh, the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis to receive the Freedom Award. A thing when I sat in black churches on the east side of Wilmington getting ready to and by the way, next to Jewish, two Jewish rabbis uh, getting ready to go oh, out good. and desegregate movie theaters in Delaware. Can't um, forget I them. never, ever thought in my life I would be worthy of, and I'm still not sure I'm worthy of it. You're not, because you weren't there. So, you know, I just want people to understand <clears throat> that we have a occupant in the White House that was chosen over a socialist from Vermont for different reasons, but his history of racism, of bigotry, and working with leaders in his own party for years while he was in the Senate. Harry, uh, you know, Senator Byrd, a number of others, is, it, uh, is something he can't shake. And he yeah. can be as folksy and quasi-charming as he would like, but he just blew it all up again on Tuesday in Atlanta with that fierce and divisive speech. Having said all of that, I do not like having to speak about a president of the United States that way but I am also not going to shy away from the fact mm -hmm. that he is a racist and he is a bigot and his history of his own deeds, words, and actions. I'm gonna share one more of these with you, uh, illustrate all of that. A number of us have seen the whole, you know, they're gonna put you all back in chains nonsense, right? There is a um, there's a video that I have which I can't bring up right at the moment, but I'll try to do that here in a second. Mm -hmm. They have found uh, and unearthed letters of his to segregationist leaders in the United States Senate, thanking the Senate Judiciary Chairman at the time in the '70s. And, and then part of the late 70s for supporting his segregation bill. He wanted to keep black folks and white folks apart, just like Bull Connor, just like George Wallace, just like 
Nathan Bedford Forrest, who started the Klan, and just like a whole variety of other Democrats that have a mixed and horrible history of racial segregation, violence, uh, and zero temperament when it comes to addressing the plight of the civil liberties of other human beings in our society, in our country, simply on the basis of their skin color. And I, I am absolutely disgusted by it. There, he is no different today than uh, Justice Taney was in the 1850s and the Dred Scott decision. And Justice Taney is from Nancy Pelosi's old hometown of Baltimore, where he too was a racist. And mm -hmm. the Dred Scott decision, of course, we know, indicated no. that you are property as a slave and as a black person. You're not equal. And subsequently, mm -hmm. later on, even the separate but equal um, fight came upon us. And so yeah. what I think Joe Biden has done since Tuesday of this week is reinvigorate Latinos, black folks, white folks into examining exactly who he is as a president, what he is capable of or uninterested in, and we'll see going forward. We're stuck with this guy for almost another three years. Mm -hmm. And this and is we'll the thing. End up, we'll end up figuring that out well before that time, but it's going to depend on what he ends up doing because mm -hmm. this guy has got a lot of redemption and and uh um washing of feet to put a, a biblical spin on it but we'll see if he's if, if he's yeah. even remotely capable i don't think he is he's he's not you know and this is a topic that i want to talk on uh maybe some other i, I time, don't mean but... to yammer away on that but th this guy i've been around this guy for 30 years and he is just a average politician uh, who now is in a stronger position of power, and he's still a racist and a bigot, and it's it's frightening and it's shocking. Yep, and a, a starving feral dog is a dangerous dog, and they are backed into a corner right now. They are oh, big bleeding time. numbers, bleeding, <clears throat> and once again, instead of washing his feet a bit and trying to pivot to another direction to bring people together, he's doubling down and going the opposite and trying to go more divisive. And one of the things that I want people to recognize, most of us do, most of us are intelligent, logical people, but there's still a small sect that believes in this rhetoric as somehow bringing us together. But it is in fact racist to be as patronizing and deceitful to African-Americans lying about marching with Dr. King, lying about all of these things that he has done to change and be a political activist. Then he's not a political activist because he's a boy working at a black pool and all of this other stuff. Like Don't forget lie. the fact that he was in, in a, he was in jail with Nelson Mandela in South Africa too. That's lie. Yeah. Lie after lie and it's patronizing. It's a lie. It's fabrication. And 
those in itself to treat these individuals like children, like they don't yep. understand what a lie is, and to just feed them bullshit after bullshit is racist. He does not care. If he cared, he would be truthful no. and honest, and he doesn't. And that in itself is racist because he's selectively choosing one side of the ball to lie to and turning them against another side of the ball. And right or wrong without analogy, it's the truth. So there are, in Congress right now, there are over 125 130 members of Congress at a minimum that are real liberals. I have nothing nothing against liberalism. Nothing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't stand for now what it stood for in, uh, uh, in the 60s, 70s, or even the 80s and early 90s. Um, but I have nothing, nothing wrong with that, right? Mm -hmm. Of that group of 221 votes on the Democrat side in the House in particular, there are um, about a buck 20, maybe a buck 40 out of that whole group that actually know, understand, and remember either directly or indirectly from family members what went on in the 50s, 60s, and 70s and mm -hmm. parts of the 80s, right? The Democrat Party is at a serious crossroads. They are changing rapidly into something they never thought they would and can't control, and that is massively heading towards a far left progressive agenda that is embracing socialism, that embraces a full-on Marxist point of view of government, people, and governing and power, and they can't stop it. Yep. It's up to them if they're going to allow the next three presidents of the United States to be Republicans or not, because they have yep. no one on their bench that can rise up out of the flame that they've created for themselves, this bonfire of stupidity, uh, and, uh, and change the trajectory. There isn't anyone on the scene, right? You know, not, uh, no, in right the now. 08 cycle and the 2012 cycle, you, you had old white guys uh, in the Republican Party. This is kind of the arc that it went on. And Obama was was the um, you know bright light of uh, change, hope, et cetera, et cetera, right? Then 2012, uh, because we nominated another older white guy who is not a bad guy, Romney's okay, but he's got the personality of a wet rag for the most part. You know, he's just not out there and dynamic enough, right? Yeah. And, um, and then and then they regurgitate this old lady uh, from Chappaqua, New York, and Clinton in 16, and she gets her ass handed to her by a showman and a half in Trump. I mean, eight years of Obama, I've always said this, gave us Donald Trump, period. Anomaly, period. we got you. You guys are screwed. Um, yeah. Bernie road tested his 2016 arguments. People loved it. They freaked out. They screwed him over. 
the Clintons did and the DNC, and they did it again in 2020, and that's who we've got sitting in front of us is a bona fide racist and bigot sitting in the White House. Yeah, and if they think they're going to get younger and hipper and bring people back by uh, regurgitating Clinton in 2024. Uh... No, oh, that's not going to happen. That's that's a fantasy. That's an absolute fantasy. Yeah, you'll get uh, uh, you'll get uh, Dre to run for president before uh, before Clinton does. That that ain't happening at all. And yeah. and so my whole point in all of this, from a political science point of view and just a historical point of view, is ninety two Clinton comes in, ninety three crime bill. It's you know gun control and throw black people in jail for thirty years for smoking a joint, uh, and you know. Uh, the uh, first lady at the time, hang on, I got to get my bucket and throw up, um, yeah, gonna... you know, calls them all, uh, uh, you know, predators, right? And uh, they get their asses handed to them in 94. I, I was part of that. You know, we picked up 54 seats, right, uh, mm -hmm. in 94. So they had to pivot. And guess what? They pivoted back. We got five balanced budget agreements out of uh, out of Clinton while he was in office. He didn't want to do any of them. He signed on every single one of them. Uh, uh, he was even quoted at the time saying that he felt like a prisoner in his own White House because his staff was running him and he had to take mm -hmm. back control, which is what he did to some extent. Fired some people, brought new people in, et cetera, that kind of thing. Uh, and we'll see if Biden does that. I don't think he will. No, I don't think he will. And Clinton did. Uh, yeah, Clinton. Clinton definitely brought some uh, new blood in because he he might have pivoted right into Monica Lewinsky's mouth. That might be for the edit. Keep it clean here. Keep it clean. No, yeah. No blue dress or cigar jokes. Come on. Uh, this is a family I know. channel. I'm, Not really. Uh, I'm a I'm a child. Is, and shout out to pivoted, Monica. She got a lot of shit for that. Uh, I got yeah, mad love. Well, he, for he pivoted and he got a second term out of it. Is my point, right? Yes. Because he, he he even said he goes, I don't want to be a one term president, right? You know. So and and he was thinking about George Herbert Walker Bush, my old boss, right? Yeah. So at the end of the day, um, he's got a um, he's got a lot of soul searching to do, and if today was indicative of that with this ludicrous um, PowerPoint presentation he was doing on transportation, he's moving in the wrong direction. I don't expect yeah. him to pivot. I expect him to dig in and continue to be controlled by his staff. But continuing to divide, continuing to do that along economic, racial, healthcare lines, et cetera, while our foreign enemies china russia north korea to some extent uh etc continue to off rockets layer more troops along uh you know borders with other countries there was even a threat today that uh the russians were going to uh, line up some ships uh in the caribbean by cuba and venezuela wow you talk about weakness and yeah. perceived weakness worldwide. That's that's where we're at right now.
And so we've got to persevere. Enough. We need to continue to bring people together and offer solutions. Um, I, you know, he keeps on this trajectory, Rick, and he's going to lose 75 seats in the House. Right now, I've got yeah. him at 35. Yeah, he, he's well on his way to doing that. And unfortunately, I don't think he's going to do soul searching like you said. He's going to dig in deeper. And no. the, the proof's in the pudding. You know, their international policies are just... Uh, floundering. They're wet fish, no backbone. And to think that their biggest priority, their biggest threat to America are American citizens, the unvaccinated. They say it time and time again, that's the biggest threat to America. While China Nut. is preparing for a world takeover by 2049, wisely playing the long game, like love them or hate them, China's, China's building. They're building powerful uh, a powerful economy, a uh, powerful military, and here we are with no backbone, no response, and they're nope. just making allies over there in the east so that they can go down with the west. And all of this racial rhetoric, you know, I have a few more questions actually because I want to know what their end game is with this bill. Like I know that it puts grants more power to the government to basically shack even though we hate the term shackling, they're trying to shackle uh, the states. So what federal powers True. will be mandated for voting in the upcoming elections that states will have to follow? I will answer that in just a second. I'm going to share uh, one more video with you. Former Vice President Joe Biden, he's, he's run for president twice before unsuccessfully. He's Ooh, Vice President Joe Biden, he's run for president now. twice before unsuccessfully. He's never before yeah. been the front runner. Now that he is towering over all the other declared Democratic candidates, his almost five decades in public life are getting some real scrutiny. On top of that list, his record on civil rights during his younger days as a U.S. Senator. CNN's Jeff Zeleny has exclusively obtained some letters written by Biden himself. Everybody asks, you know, what kind of Democrat? I I'm an Obama-Biden Democrat. This is CNN, folks. After eight years alongside President Obama... Joe Biden is coming back as a solo act. I'm ready to go. With his long record facing a new look under the spotlight of the 2020 campaign. Gentlemen and ladies of the Senate. One chapter receiving fresh scrutiny comes from his earliest years in the Senate when he strongly opposed mandatory school busing. It was designed to achieve integration and a more equitable education. It was the mid-1970s. Biden favored desegregation, but not through busing. What's less known is how he followed the lead of some of the Senate's most fervent segregationists. In a series of never-before-published letters reviewed by CNN, the strength of Biden's opposition to busing comes into sharper focus. On March 25, 1977, Biden wrote, My bill strikes at the heart of the injustice of court-ordered busing. It prohibits the federal courts from disrupting our educational system. Biden sought and received support from Mississippi Senator James Eastland, the Democratic chairman of the Judiciary Committee and a leading symbol of Southern resistance to desegregation. He frequently spoke of blacks as, quote, an inferior race. Biden reflected on that era earlier this year. There are a bunch of racists. You know, there was, you know, James O. East of Mississippi, Strom Thurmond, and so on. Uh, there were nine guys in, who were in the caucus that were, you know, I ran against in the civil rights movement. 
But he did not say that Eastland and others were partners on several of Biden's anti-busing bills. On June 30th, 1977, Biden wrote, Dear Mr. Chairman, I want you to know that I very much appreciate your help during this week's committee meeting in attempting to bring my anti-busing legislation to a vote. Then in 1978, Biden again asked Eastland to put his anti-busing bill before the full Senate, writing, Your participation in floor debate would be welcomed. Four decades later, after building a strong civil rights record, Biden stands by his opposition to busing, arguing it did not address institutional racism. Most busing programs in America were later abandoned after bringing more hardship than equal opportunity to all students. A Biden spokesman telling CNN, Joe Biden is today and has been for more than 40 years in public life one of the strongest and most powerful voices for civil rights in America. Ronnie Dunn is a professor at Cleveland State University. You can, uh, the audience and anybody else can assess that for themselves. Uh, the uh, one side of the scale's got a brick on it and the other one's got a feather on it in terms of his real record. So good luck, uh, anyone trying to spin the daylights out of that. I, I just want to illustrate because civil liberties are the heart of the Constitution. I want to illustrate for people how important they are in day-to-day -day life, uh, making sure that we can leave our home and are not set upon by criminal activity, that we are treating one another with dignity and respect and equality. There's whatever equity is, give me a break, please. Uh, equal justice under law is at the heart of the country we live in and the way that we treat one another built in and around a Judeo-Christian heritage. And we don't have that in today's occupant in the White House. His record is more than clear. It is not tangential on race. It is not a gaffe. Uh, it is an unfortunate intentional uh, racially segregated alignment to those who look at black folks as being inferior and that is 100% opposite of the truth. So mm -hmm. I won't be playing any more videos in this episode of Read the Room, certainly more to come, uh, mm -hmm. but I, I do, I do want to make sure uh, that this is really hits home with folks because um, if our leaders in the country are supposed to reflect who we are as a people, uh, he's doing uh, a worse job than anyone that's occupied that office in the history of our country. Yeah, he really has. And can I just say in those old videos of Biden, uh, wow, he looks like one of the uh, oil CEOs from 50 years past who uh, was pushing back against unleaded gas and trying to tell people that leaded gas is safe, not driving you crazy, and it's just a bunch of disinformation. Like he literally Trips on with looks, the kids. Yeah. 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 It's okay. You're not going to go crazy. You will not become a schizo or anything along yeah, those lines. Or, yeah, the, from the, the automobile executives that uh, push back against seatbelts, right? Yep, 100%. And the way that they use their words and their rhetoric so cleverly, 
Like we can pick up on it, but the average person, unfortunately, is not. Mm-hmm. And there are these bait words and these catchphrases that purposely brainwash you and gaslight you into thinking in a negative way. You know, and sometimes they're just outright blatant with it, as we saw with the Bull Connor Jefferson Davis Martin yeah. Luther King Jr. speech. But they like to frame things in certain ways that make you think that's the enemy. And what we're starting to see now, because we know this, <clears throat> we know they're hemorrhaging numbers, and CNN is now ready to start their campaign to get this guy out because they know they're about to lose a ton of seats in this midterm coming up and god forbid they lose that presidential race in 2024 well i i, I want to point out too that um his entry into the senate in 72 so january 73 the uh civil rights act wa- wasn't even a decade old right just do the math mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so in 77, some, you know, barely 13 years later, he's still pushing this segregationist idea, right? Mm-hmm. And so you had this push-pull argument about what to do with black folks. Well, look at who was running the Congress. From the mid-1950s until we took over, Republicans took over in 94, Democrats ran the Congress. That's a long time, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, a long time. Long, long, long. And so their embedded mindset on things that they personally didn't believe in, which was equal treatment of people in different races, and equal access to everything from education to jobs to finance, housing, food, etc., was continuing to be driven by disproportionately old white Southerners whose great-great-granddad owned slaves, and they were brought up that way. I mean, if you don't believe me, just go watch Django because it's perfect representation of, of these individuals. And, uh, and I'm a, I, you know, I live in the South. I live, you know, I live below the Mason-Dixon line uh, here in Virginia. I have a great respect for the Commonwealth of Virginia, its heritage, the South and its heritage. I don't agree at all with uh, the uh, creation or utility of human beings as slaves, chattel, what have you. I understand it from an economic standpoint. I just don't agree with it. Uh, We aren't anywhere near that today. We've solved those problems, thank God. But you keep that in context of when those letters were written, what he continued to say in the 80s and do in the 80s, what he continued to do and say in the 90s when he was judiciary chairman with a crime bill that was an overtly punitive uh, piece of legislation uh, during the Clinton administration that cost them uh, dozens of seats in 94 and a few more in 96 and 98, et cetera, et cetera. And this guy has not changed. Mm-hmm. And you go into the early, you know, 05s and 07s, he's talking about a clean 
articulate black guy, Barack Obama, it's like, give me a break. I mean, if if you can't use the King's English in a meaningful and respectful way, just don't talk. But unfortunately, he's a politician, so that's what he does for a living. He's just about as articulate as a broken broom or a uh, a wooden staircase with a hole in it. Okay, he's it, just he's just an average politician. That's it. He he shouldn't. Yeah. He should never have risen above city council member because that's about his level of political acumen, in my opinion. And again, I've been around this clown for thirty years. Anyway, um, my point is too that. Um, the Democrat Party has to decide who it is because its leader is a racist and a bigot, period. Well, and, and, you know, God help them if they allow these Soros progressive leftist weirdos to um, continue to change and, uh, um, and destroy a once great political party and a party of opposition. And that wow. puts responsibility on Republicans, too, to make sure we're addressing the needs of people, not just some counterweight um, point of view that's different and more acceptable than his, etc., but things that actually mean uh, mean something and are meaningful in society. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I don't know about you, Mark, but I just I, di- I disagree because I, I see all these facts that you've thrown out and. Biden has just – he's come so far. I mean what I see is a champion <laughs> of social justice. I mean MLBJ is is a champion. If you, don't, if you didn't get to see that full speech in Atlanta, I mean Martin Luther Biden Jr. was there quoting the king, uh, speaking to the people, uh, the, the shackled people of Georgia who are, have not been freed yet. But he's well on the way to freeing them. And shout out to Martin Luther Biden Jr. for all of his hard work as a social justice champion. Right. <laughs> and and oh, by the way, where was Stacey Abrams? Did anybody find out <laughs> what the conflict was? What was uh, she was winning a doctor appointment or something or what? So she was in the middle the of uh, of uh, you know. Joseph Robinette Biden uh, and his uh, time in Atlanta. Yeah, so you were uh, going to was... ask a question. You were going to ask a question earlier there. I was just to answer your up. question though, real that uh, just to answer your question real quick of where Stacy was, um, or what's her name, uh, uh, the Thunderbro. Uh, she was in the middle of a brainstorming session for her next sex novel. Um, so she couldn't quite right. make it to that rally. Uh, right. She was busy on chapter five about uh, ASMR and just how soothing sounds of the rain can uh, swell up your emotions of eroticism on a on a cold, right. mossy summer night. So, like uh, the, the like question... the hot breath of a dog that gets too close to you. Yeah. I got it. Right or on the neck or something like that. Yeah, Some poor, warm, whatever thing. farm animal. Yeah. Yep, fill in your favorite farm animal. <laughs> Basically, the question I had was, what is the end game of this bill? Like, why is it such a necessity for them to get this bill passed at this point? Well, it's a, they're trying to, uh, they're trying to uh, uh, hew to their base uh, that wants uh, power in perpetuity, that does not want um, 
voter ID, that does not want voter rolls being called of dead people, people who no longer live in a state, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, that's part of the shell game. The other part of the shell game is, um, fuck it, we're the White House and fuck federal law or a Supreme Court decision that says you can't uh, impose vaccine mandates on businesses 100 or smaller or more, excuse me. Um, and so quietly, go ahead and do it, right? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. so th that's their attitude. Um, they are not surprisingly facing the reality of people's opinions of what they're doing, i.e. polling numbers, 33% in the uh, recent Quinnipiac poll. And so it's it's about voter ID and making sure that doesn't happen. It's about uh, being able to do um, uh, national balloting and making sure uh, mail-in ballots happen in perpetuity. And then it's also being able uh, to control at the federal level, anything and everything that happens at a state level. Now, their problem is, which also cracks me up, Here the Constitution gives absolute power of election to the states, number one. And number two, in the Tenth Amendment, which are states' rights, which undergird uh, um, other parts of the con uh, Constitution, whether it's commerce or voting or other things, um, the ability to control what happens in their borders in each state. So they don't have an ice cube's chance in hell of getting 52 votes in the Senate or 51 uh, with a nuclear option or 60 votes at all. That is not going to happen. This is a fool's errand, just like Build Back Never is a fool's errand. Just like um, the vax mandate is a fool's errand and so on and so forth. So let them continue to piss away and waste time. A uh, little Chucky Schumer uh, put off the vote this weekend because there's an ice storm coming. Who gives a shit? Okay. Are you kidding me? They're already here. Just schedule the vote, you gutless weasel, uh, and yeah. make them vote. He doesn't have the votes. He doesn't have the votes. And guess what? He doesn't have the he votes. He doesn't have the votes. So he's using yeah. a meteorological uh, excuse uh, to um, put a vote off. Yeah. And let them all go in their codels for this next week in the Senate, come back, and guess what? He still won't have the votes. But I mm -hmm. want them to make these members walk, walk the plank in the, in the middle of an election year. That will be the fun part. Oh, absolutely. And I, I worry about these ice storms. Uh, I've seen deep impact, and I know that these uh, <laughs> these global threats of weather are a real thing. So uh, I really feel for them. I also feel for the filibuster right now. The filibuster is under fire. And what right. hypocrisy by them to for him to say in that speech how he's going to go around the filibuster and pass it on his own. When yeah, good fact, luck with that. Yeah, they filibustered 300 times last year. If if I'm correct, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it was around oh, in 2020. In 2020, yeah, in 2020. Me. Yeah. Yeah. 
very interesting to see how the filibuster was 300 times okay a year in a month ago, but now here we are in 2022, and it is the enemy of social justice and equity. So, well, I don't know uh, if you saw Senator Cotton's speech from Arkansas, but he read on the Senate floor a couple of days ago, word for word, Schumer's 2007 blowhard speech, uh, just condemning anyone that would mess with the filibuster. Um, and he joked uh, in the interview that it was the easiest speech he ever wrote. <laughs> it probably was. Uh, we do, we do, in fact, need to cancel Senator Cotton, though, because his name is racist uh, in nature, and I think he should have to change it from Cotton because, and we should stop wearing Cotton altogether. So uh, I'm going to start pushing Senator that. Senator Latex, problem. you think, or, or what? Yeah, I mean, Sen what Senator Latex could work. Uh, I'm, I'm allergic to rubber, so uh, latex doesn't quite work for me. Maybe sheets or goat skin. Uh, I'm sure there's. You know, we'll figure Senator out. Acrylic Leather. Yes, Senator Tom Acrylic Leather of Arkansas. <laughs> and Absolutely. while we're spinning off this earth, I do want to correct myself from uh, the author's name. It's actually Thymie Tenderfoot, and her book's name is Hot Nights in the Governor's Throne. So if you want to pick up that copy coming this fall, uh, that's why she couldn't be there for the speech. It's an Amazon bestseller, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Bezos. Bezos uh, definitely signed off on that one. Right, right. Well, um, again, you know, in the time we've got left here in the next few minutes, I just want to thank everybody for joining us, but also really think about the importance of having a chief executive or an alleged chief executive who has such a strong and unfortunately divisive record on race, sitting in a, the most powerful position on the planet, and he's not doing anything to bring people together, but yet divide people. And it's a real shame because, again, we, we solved all these problems from the Voting Rights Act in 65, from the Civil Rights Act in 64, et cetera. And um, picking at that fabric does nothing but harm the society and the people in it. And it's a real shame that that was again on display, uh, sends the um, barking German shepherds and the fire hoses. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, picking at that fabric, you know, it's like they're trying to undo the pillow that was already sewn together and filling it with dog shit now. Not even usable cow shit for manure, but they're trying to... Well, that's to another way of looking at it, I'm sure, but, you know, as, as yeah. eloquently as, as that sounds, uh, you know, I don't want to be anywhere near that when the pillow breaks open. Thank you very much. It uh, and neither do I, and neither do I, and neither do I. And that's kind of what's happening right now. And it's important. We do need to think of the ramifications of divisive policies and rhetoric like we're seeing, mm -hmm. not only from past, but present and future. You know, this right. is not a healthy way for us to move forward. And, that's, and, and that is any politician, anyone. Any, any. I don't give a any, damn who any, they are. Any, any, any. <clears throat> and that's, yeah, this is read the room. 
This is American politics in the raw, man. I'll call it out wherever I see it. I don't even know who it is. Absolutely. Like, put them on the fire. Let them burn their feet on the coals. Like, there are wrongs and rights on each side. And right now, it's just what it is in this current political climate. There is a caucus on the left side, the super far left, trying to trash a one-story, treasured, and necessary political party in the Democratic Party. And they are shooting themselves in the foot every single day. And we can't help but to speak about it when they lie in such large numbers. You know, hey, dude, I will, you know, I'll hand them the ammo if they want to keep doing it. It's fine with me. But again, and, and we've said yeah. on this show, we missed the days when it used to, we had to worry about the crazy uh, racist Republicans that were the ones doing this in the news. You know, it's the, the, the tides have turned, the table has flipped, and now it's on the other side. And we have to point it out. And if it goes back the other way, guess what? We're going to call out them in the red, too. We want a unified America. That's why we're here. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank everybody for their time today and for spending time with uh, my brother, Uncle Rico, and myself. And we will uh, catch you next Friday on another episode of Read the Room here on No Filter Network. The No Filter Network. So thank you, my brother. I really appreciate you being here, and uh, and I will. Uh, I'm going to sign off, and I will talk to you very, very soon. Absolutely, brother. Another good thank episode. You, thank you guys for being here, and we'll be in touch. Adios. Adios.